4, Acts chapter 4, and look at me, we're going to look at one scripture here, and kind of this is kind of the basis for the message today. And in Acts 4, uh, the, the power of God is hitting the church. And we pick it up here in verse 31. It says, And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they sp spake the word of God with boldness. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither said any of them that ought of the things which he possessed was his own. But they had all things in common. And then it says here in verse 33, And with great power gave the apostles witness of the, res of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. I want to talk to you today about grace, and the title of the message is Great Grace, because great grace and grace is a necessary element in our walk with the Lord. I know we talked a little bit about it in the past, but I just, by the unction of the Lord, said, you know, I want you to teach some more on, on this. Don't, don't move past it so quickly. So we're going to talk a, bit, a little bit about it, and we may go a little bit different way than what I thought we were going to go. Um, but, you know, when they, it says when they prayed, the whole place was shaken, where they were assembled together. And they were filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with, with boldness. It says, and the multitude that believed were of one heart. See, this is, this is going to be hard for a lot of believers to see this. But there's some things that are taking place, some supernatural spiritual things that are taking place here with these believers. It says they were of one heart and one soul. Neither said of them that, that ought of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. What were they doing here? They were sharing things that they had. There, there was an understanding, a revelation. They have reached such depths in the things of the Spirit. They, material things didn't mean anything anymore. And it says because they had reached that point, that, not, just because, not because they had reached that point, but as a side note, they had reached that point, there was great grace upon them all. You know, the Spirit of God moved in the, was moving in their situation. And, and grace, which is actually a, a power of God. You know, we talked about this the, a couple weeks ago, but I'll, I'll go back here and reread what I, my notes here that I have. And it says, the definition of grace is the, is the Greek word charis. It means the manner or action. All right, it's an abstract or concrete, it's literally a figurative or spiritual, especially the divine influence upon the heart and its reflection in the life thereof. So grace is a power that, that has a divine influence upon your heart 
but it causes a manifestation that other people can see in your life. This is why uh, sometimes when you see some people get saved, you can see there's a transformation. They're no longer the same person. They act different. And unbelievers will even see it on them. Let's say something, you know, I, I talked with the, uh, a young man the other day. He pulled me aside at work, and, and um, I knew what he was like before. I talked to him. He was a very angry uh, man, hateful. And uh, he pulled me aside. He said, he said Michael, I, need, I want to talk to you. And, I, and uh, he told me what had happened. That his, he said it was his 12-year-old daughter. Had, you know, he's divorced and separated. Uh, well, divorced, he's remarried. But his 12-year-old daughter had called him and said, Daddy, would you come to church with me? I'm going to get baptized, and I want you to get baptized. And, and he said, well, honey, why, why, why do you want me to get baptized? She said, Daddy, because you're going to go to hell. And he said, when my daughter said that to me, he said, I knew she was right. So he went to church. Now, he went to her church his daughter's church, which was his ex-wife's church, which had all her family in it. So he had problems with the family too. All right? In, before. Now, and he, by his own thing, he, he, by his own admittance, what happened to him, all right, he said, it was all my fault. But when he got born again, he apologized to everybody in the family, at, in front of the church. In front of the church. He didn't pull him off side. He stood at the pulpit and did it. And he was telling me, he said, he hasn't told a lot of people. He said, you're, you're one of the first ones I've told. He said, but, and he mentioned a couple of people he works with. He said, they, they've asked, he said, there's something different about you, man. You're no longer the same person. And he, and he was telling me, he said, you know, I was, in, I was in Iraq. I was over there for a year and a half. And he said, I did some things I shouldn't have done. He said, but that's, just, that's war. I said, I understand. I said, God, God's already forgiven you of all that stuff. He said, I, all we had over there to do was to read the Bible. We didn't have anything else to do. It was, you know, you, you, fought, you fought. He said, you did drugs. He said, I go a week without sleeping. He said, I was high on cocaine and, and things like that just to stay awake. <clears throat> he said, so I'd, re I'd read the Bible. He said, I've read the Bible through. He said, I didn't understand anything of it. He said, but after this happened, he said, I went home and my, my dad had given me a Bible years ago. And he said, I pulled it out of my nightstand. He said, I started reading a little bit of it. He said, you know, what's really weird is I understand what I'm reading now. And I looked at him, I said, well, brother, here's the, here's the reason why, because before, when you read it, you weren't in covenant. This is a covenant book. And if a, non if, a, if a sinner reads the Bible, they'll hardly get anything out of it. Very little. But the only thing they'll get out of it is a need to, to be saved. But now you read it and you have understanding. And I won't get into all the other details, but you know he was, giving, he was saying things that the revelation the Lord had given him, I, sa I, sa I told him, I said, brother, I know Christians have been walking with God five and ten years and don't have the revelation you have in a week. 
Now see, it says in the scripture, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. We're, this is the last days. God's pouring out his spirit for those that are hungry. But what, what I was saying, and what I, you know, I mentioned this, is, is great grace. Grace is a power of God that is necessary for the church. Now, if you would, uh, go to Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2, and I want to look at something here. Let's go a little bit differently. Talk about, uh, about grace. In Hebrews chapter 2, it says this speaking of Jesus. And verse 9, it says, But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that by the grace of God should taste death for every man. Notice what it says here. That by the grace of God he should taste death for every man. If Jesus needed grace upon him to taste death for all of us, how much more do we need it on us? We need it. If he needed it to taste death for all of us, that's telling us something right there that we need the grace of God on us. All right? We'll look at another one. Go to Luke chapter 2 here. And this, this concerns Jesus too. In Luke 2, we see this. In Luke 2, verse 40, it's speaking of Jesus. It says, And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Now, I want you to notice something here. It says the grace of God was upon him. He's a child, right? Jesus is a young man before he performs his first miracle. But grace was upon Jesus as a child. Why did he need grace? To accomplish what God had for him to accomplish in his life. You know, the, the Bible says in Ephesians, it says we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Grace is a power because you're saved by faith in that grace. You are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. So when a person gets born again, there's a power that comes on them. I'm saying this because God put the power, the grace of God on Jesus as a child. Same thing for us. God has that grace upon you, all right? When you got it when you first got born again. But that, it doesn't, just doesn't stop there. Grace is a power. Matter of fact, 
Go to, to, to John chapter 1 and look at this. Continuing to, to speak about Jesus. John 1. And let's pick it up in verse 14. It says, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten Father, full of grace and truth. John bare witness of him and cried, saying, This is he of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness have all we received, grace for grace. Verse 17, this is what I want you to see. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Now, apparently this thing called grace is important. Because he says it here that grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. He says in verse uh, 16, and his fullness have all we received, grace for grace. There's, I want you to see something. There's something about this grace that you and I have that's on us. Now go back to uh, 2 Peter chapter 1. I want you to see this concerning grace. Remember, grace, the definition of, of grace is, is, the, is the Greek word charis, and it has to do with the divine influence upon the heart of man and how it shows up in our life. It shows up when grace is on you. It shows up in your life. It says in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2, it says, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So grace can increase in your life through your relationship that we talked about at the very beginning here when I stood up here and I said, your relationship with the Father is so important. I think of all the times I'm talking to him and he's speaking to me. What's happening? Grace, through that process, grace and peace is being multiplied in my life. There's a power. That great, because Jesus needed the grace all right, to die for us. And it says that when God raised Jesus from the dead, that was the most power in heaven that he used. He used more power to raise Jesus from the dead than he did to create all of creation. And I, you know, I've shared this with you before, but while I was meditating on that scripture, and the Lord spoke to me, he said, the reason why I used the most power when I raised Jesus from the dead, I wasn't just raising him. I was raising everybody. Think about that. Every person has been raised from the dead. In other words, the price has already been paid for you. But if you don't access it, it doesn't do you any good. If you don't get born again, it won't do you any good. 
even though the price has been paid, even though you've been raised from the dead, you have to receive the gift. By grace are you saved through faith. So the power of God has already raised people out there in the world from the dead. All they have to do is access it. You know, I'm thinking back, you know, Brother uh, Dwayne Norman was here, and he preached a message similar to this. And I'm a, I like his example that he used. He said he was talking about how if in your account you had a... You had a, 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 a uh, an account that had $1,000 in it. It's at the bank. All right? So you know that in your account at the bank, you got $1,000. So if a bill comes in, say, for 150 you don't get all upset and say, well, how am I going to pay for this? You know what's in your account at the bank. You know you have it covered. But you're still going to have to access that money to cover that $150 bill, Right? You can't just look at that bill and say, well, I know I got $1,000 in the bank. Yeah, it's taken care of and just set the bill aside. No. There's some things you're going to have to do. You're going to have to either go to the, you know, write a check uh, from that account and send it for that bill to pay that bill, or you're going to have to do it electronically and transfer that money to that place to cover that, that bill, right? If you don't do it, you're going to be in a lot of trouble. Why? Because that bill's not going to get paid. See, that's what we have with grace. We have to learn to access that grace, and you access grace by faith, but grace is also multiplied to you and through you and peace at the same time through the more that you know, the more relationship that you develop with your Heavenly Father and His Son and the Holy Spirit. It's multiplied to you. That's why it's so important for as believers for us to be in the Word on a daily basis, not on a weekly basis. You can't just live off what you're fed from me once a week. I mean, think about this. Would you, would you feed your body one meal a week how long are you going to live? You're not going to live very long. You're going to start having some problems. You're going to lose a lot of weight because you only eat once a week. And within a short time, you're going to have some health issues. That's what happens with people spiritually that all they do is they feed their body once a week when they come to church. If you're not developing your faith, your relationship with the Lord through His Word and walking in it so that grace and peace can be multiplied in your life, when something arises in your life that you need to use your authority, you reach back and you ain't got none. Why? Because you're weak. You'll feed your body three meals a day, but give your spirit one snack a week. See the problem here? This, and this is what's going on in the church. People are thinking, well, I can go to church, you know, I go to church on Sundays, maybe Wednesdays or Thursdays, depending on when they have service, and that's the only time I really get into the Word. And then you want to wonder why you're having issues in your life, you're struggling in areas, because you're not feeding on the Word of God. 
You have to feed on that word. Now let's go to Romans chapter 5. Romans 5, let's look here. In Romans 5, verse 1, it says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our, our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 2, By whom also we have access by faith into this grace, wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Notice you have access in, by faith into this grace. So Paul's talking, you have access by faith into this grace, into this power, which got you saved. Amen? You're, you're, and justified by faith. He says in verse 1 again, we have peace with God. For a Christian to say, I'm struggling with peace in my life, I'll tell you where the problem is. It's, it's a relationship. Your relationship with the Lord is is not what it should be. And that's why you're, you, you don't have peace. You should have peace no matter what storm you're going through. Remember when Jesus is on the, on, on the Sea of Galilee and the storm comes up, what's he doing? He's sleeping. And what do the disciples do? They don't know what to do. They, wake, they finally wake him up and say, Master, don't you care that we're all perishing? Hold it. When he got in the boat, what did he say? He said, let's go to the other side. He didn't say, well, gosh, guys, let's, let's give it an old college try and see if we can't get over there on the other side of this thing. No, he said, let us go to the other side. So he gets in the back of the boat, and he falls asleep. And the storm rises up. All of a sudden, he just comes out of nowhere. And that's what will happen on the Sea of Galilee. We've been there. I mean, it, it can be bright, shiny, shiny day, and then all of a sudden, 15 minutes later, the clouds have moved in, and all of a sudden, the, the water's gotten choppy. And moments after that, now you've got a storm. Now you've got big waves. And that's what was happening with the disciples. So they woke him up saying, don't you care that we perish? And he rises up and he speaks to the storm. He releases grace into that storm. And what did the storm do? Got quiet. And then he looks at the disciples and he says to the disciples, you have no faith. Imagine a pastor saying that to their church today. You ain't got no faith, that's your problem. They're all leaving. They're leaving because you made them mad. You hurt their feelings. Well, the disciples didn't get mad over it. Because had they had faith, they could have spoke to that storm and would have done the same thing. See, even though that storm came up upon them suddenly, grace was already there. Grace was already on Jesus when he was a child long before the storms of life ever came. Long before he had to stand before Pilate, grace was on him. And he grew because 
as he grew, what did he do? Remember, as a child, you look. We look back as a child, and and when his mom and dad left left Jerusalem, he stayed behind, and he told him, or he was that he said, Don't, "I must be about my father's business. I've got to develop this relationship, mom." He was working on that relationship. So that what? In about 14, 15 years, when he stands before Pilate, he's got something to say. And he's got something to release. Because he stood before them with, with boldness. Where did that boldness come? He had it for a long time. He was growing in it. The Word of God says he grew in favor and stature with God and men. He grew. Church, we've got to grow in our grace. We've got to learn to grow in grace. You can't wait till a storm comes on you and then think, okay, I'm going to get somebody to pray for me. I'm going to get on Facebook and say, okay, all you prayer warriors out there, I'm not making fun of it. I'm just saying my experience is people that do that, they wind up burying somebody. Yes, prayer works. But prayer by faith. Not prayer just throwing up something out there and asking a bunch of people to start praying that you don't even know whether they know how to pray or not. And most of them don't. Because there's no power in their prayer. Why? Because they're not spending any time with the Lord. They're not growing in grace and peace. And all kinds of goofy things happen. And then we wonder why. Well, it wasn't God's will to, to heal them. It wasn't God's will to deliver them. When you read the Bible, though, it's, it says it is His will. So who's right? I, I believe the Bible's right. I believe man misses it all the time. And that's what Paul said in 2 Corinthians, I think it's chapter 2 or 3, he said that your faith should not stand in the wisdom. You've you got to quit putting your faith in the wisdom of man and saying, man, I hope you can pray because I need a miracle. There's a real good chance and a strong possibility we're going to be burying you. If you don't take something with the Word of God and start developing it in your life to the point that you can teach someone else how to develop it in their life. You can't, we can't as a church think that, okay, I got what I need, but I don't know how to help somebody else. That's being self-centered. Jesus didn't save you so that you could get one day get to go to heaven when you die. He, he saved us so that his, the grace of God would manifest in our lives and be a witness to other people to the point it would cause them to be the Jews to be jealous. People should be asking you, what, what's on with you? Why are you so different from everybody else? 
And see, a lot of times what happens, that's happening, but it's not happening in the way you want it. Because the first, and initially what will show up in your life is people will get mad at you. They'll call you religious. Is there anything wrong with that? See, we, we need to change how, our, how we think. If people aren't getting mad at you because you are a Christian and you're acting like a Christian, or maybe they're mad at you and they're saying you're not acting like a Christian, how in the world would a sinner know what a Christian is supposed to be like if they're not one? But see, we let fear intimidate us and we bypass the grace of God that's on our lives and we won't release it because we don't understand how to access it here, what Paul's talking about in Romans 5.2, by whom we have access by faith into this grace. You have access to the grace by faith. Let's look at a few more here while we're in Romans uh, Romans 5, verse, uh, let's look at verse 20 here. It says, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. That's a powerful statement right there. That is a powerful sentence. It says, moreover the law entered that the offense might abound. See, that's why the law was, was brought in. And if you, you think back, the Old Testament, it was all about the law. And when Jesus came around and started with the miracles... All right, what were the Sadducees and the Pharisees hung up on? They were hung up on the law. And what does the law do? The law showed, it, showed you and I that we needed a Savior. Because you could do 99% of the law correctly and miss it by 1%. And the Word says, you're guilty of all. What? I stubbed my toe, and I cursed. You mean I'm going to hell for that? Yeah, that's what the Word says. Well, what about this guy over here that killed these ten people? He's going to hell too. Well, can anything be done about it? Yeah, you can give your life to Jesus Christ. What about the guy that killed the ten? Same thing. What? You, you mean to tell me that God's going to forgive him for murdering ten people? Well, the reason why, sir, you don't understand it is because you're bound by the law. Where the Bible says, where the law abounded, where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. So no matter what it is, no matter what you've done, no matter what somebody else has done, and how great it was, Grace abounded more. So see, no matter who you talk to, because you, you'll hear people say this, well, I've done, God will never forgive me. Yeah, well. Oh, 
don't know what I've done. It doesn't matter what you've done. Because the Bible says, where sin has abounded. And that's what you're talking about, right? You're upset because sin abounded in your life. But the good news is, the Bible says, grace abounded more. See, so it doesn't matter what's showing up in your life or what's trying to show up in your life. Grace is abounding more. It's greater than that. It's more powerful than that. You can't forget that. And you and I, we have access to that grace by faith. That's how we access it. And so what should that mean to us as a believer? Whatever storm comes up, it's no problem. Why? Because I have access to that grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Let me see if I have it here. I know I do, I just got to find it. Um, go to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians 4. See, because you got to hear this because otherwise, I know how the enemy, enemy works. He'll try to tell you that, well, you don't, you don't have any of that. But see, here it is in the Bible, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7, it says, But unto every one of us is given grace, according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Doesn't that sound familiar? Right? Unto everyone is given us the measure of grace. Well, did we also get the same measure of faith? Right? And faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And what we've learned today is grace and peace can be multiplied to you through your knowledge of the Father and Jesus Christ His Son. So it's almost the same thing. Grace and faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. The two go together. They're inseparable. They are inseparable. So when we're talking about the grace of God and the power of God, it's the same thing. They're, they're divinely connected. Now, I know the Word of God does separate them to, to, to different categories, but see, the grace of God is always attached to the faith of God. All right? You need grace upon your life, and it's multiplied through you spending time with the Father, and not only spending time with Him, doing what He said. Because there's going to come a time in your life, or somebody else's life, that you need a holy boldness to stand up and say, it is not going to be this way. It may look bad right now, but it's not going to be this way. And here's why I'm saying this. Because the Word of God says this about the situation. See, that's why when we, when we first read that back in Acts chapter 4, it said great grace was upon them all because they were all in one accord. They were all in agreement. Material things didn't matter anymore. And that's, see, that's hard for the church to understand as a whole. 
But that's why also the Lord has dealt with a remnant of the church. Holy Spirit, help me on that. Mm. Well, let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. And Paul even warns us in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Verse 1. He says, We then, as workers together with him, speaking of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we beseech you also that you receive not the grace of God in vain. Paul's warning us not to receive this grace in vain. What, is the word, what does it mean to, be, to receive it in vain? Mean, meaning you receive it and don't believe that it's going to have any effect. How do you know if you're one of those? Well, you'll say things like, well, the church I go to believes this. Well, what do you believe? See, you've re you're receiving the grace of God, even though you're hearing it, you're receiving it in vain. You don't believe that it has an effect. You've got to believe that the Word of God is true. Because when you speak it, in the realm of the Spirit, we talked about this before, in the realm of the Spirit, the demonic influences, when they hear you speak the Word, they don't hear just you, they hear Jesus. Why? Because you're in covenant with Him. You're in His bloodline. See, and you're going to have to determine, am I going to walk in the natural bloodline or am I going to walk in the spirit bloodline? And you're going to have to make this decision yourself. And, and, and if you don't make the decision, you did make the decision. You're going to walk in the natural. Does cancer run in my family? No. Does diabetes run in my family? No. Because I'm walking my, in, 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 in the bloodline of the Spirit. Jesus didn't have diabetes. He didn't have cancer. Now, in the natural, it may be there. It may be there. So you're going to have to make the decision. Are you going to lean in the natural realm that these things are in my family? I'm not talking about the doctor asking you these questions. I'm talking about the devil speaking to you on a daily basis and saying, well, you know cancer runs in your body, your, your family. Heart attacks run in your family. Being mentally unstable, it runs in your family, doesn't it? And you, and you, do, and you meditate on that. Well, you know, I had an Aunt Lucy, and she was nuttier than a, than a pancake. Then there was Uncle Ralph. Boy, he was a bird of a different feather. As a matter of fact, he lived up in a tree. See, so you, th you start thinking about these things. What are you doing? You're, you're attaching yourself into the natural realm. You're going to have to walk in the spirit. 
to access this grace. Because the, the lineage that I walk in now, I walk in the lineage of Jesus Christ. That's not there. It can't, it, it, it can't stay in this. It, it, it can try to get in, but it can't stay. It has to leave because of the authority. So when I speak the word out of my mouth, when you speak the word out of your mouth, in the realm of the Spirit, they hear Jesus. They hear the grace of God coming from your voice. And, and that what you're speaking to, that mountain, it has to move. It has to because of the grace of God that was put on you. And that's why as you grow in grace and peace, see, you, you can't grow in peace if you don't have knowledge that you have it. If you're always worried about something, you don't have peace. Am I right? Think about people that you know that they don't have peace in their life. They're, they're always living in fear of something. In one area or another, or sometimes many areas. Why? Because they haven't grown in grace and peace. It's multiplied through the knowledge of Jesus Christ. So don't let, don't let you receive the grace of God in vain. Now, let's look at one more scripture here. Go to Romans chapter 11. This is what I was referring to. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I asked you a while ago, and, and you brought me back to it. Romans 11, verse 5. Even so then, at this present time, talking about right now, today too, also there is a remnant according to the election of grace. And if by grace, then, then is it no more of works? Otherwise, grace is no more grace. But if it be of works, then it is no more grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. Now, this is where the Lord showed me here in this verse, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. And let me break this, these two scriptures, verses down, what they're saying. If you believe that God has to do something for you because of the things you've done for Him. You're works-oriented. You're tied into the law. And you'll not see anything. Because the only thing the law does is it proves that you need a Savior. That's, that was the purpose of the law. A lot of the stuff in the Old Testament, did you know, happened before the law was given? So a lot of the stuff in the Old Testament you read and you see, wow, that's weird. That goes against the law. Well, check out the date on it and you'll probably find 
That happened before the law was given to Moses. And the Word of God says, where there is no law, there's no sin. So the law was given to Moses to do what? To show people, you guys need a Savior. You need the Father. But now Paul has this revelation here. He says, even so then, at this present time also, there is a remnant. What's a remnant? It's a small portion of people. We've heard this phrase, God has always worked with a small portion of people. Why? It's not his choosing, it's because only a small portion of people will choose to believe really what the Word of God says and do it. So it says, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. <clears throat> There's a small portion of people that will choose, and I'm encouraging you, choose grace. Choose grace. I set before you life and death. Choose grace. Choose grace. Grow in grace. Have grace and peace multiplied unto you through your knowing of Jesus Christ, the Father, the Holy Spirit. So as you see these, as you, you develop that relationship, that grace, that power of God that was on Jesus, was on the disciples, is on you. All right? So when you say something about a situation, all right, you are using the, the, the power that God has, has put upon you because what we just read, there was a measure of grace put on each of us. You started out with a measure of grace, but you can add to it. Amen? Amen? So see, that's what I'm saying. When, when you start talking, when you start praying, <clears throat> you can boldly come to the throne of God, the throne of grace. You have boldness, right? You and I have, should have boldness that we know because, number one, we know we got grace. We also know when it comes to prayer that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears me, right? Isn't that what the word says? If I ask anything according to his will, he hears me. And then it says also in 1 John, it says, and, and if we know that he hears us, we know we have the petitions that we've asked for. Why? Because of grace. Because of grace. It's a power. It's a power. And it operates through faith in Jesus Christ. Glory to God. Let's stand up. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. Thank you, Father, for grace. Thank you for the power of God. Thank you for the power of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. There's some things that you're growing in, each of you.